Hello. Hello, Merlin. How are you? Good morning, Dan. Good I'm morning. Very well. Yes, good. Good. Very good. Very good indeed. Rather. <clears throat> so, how uh, how has your <laughs> week been? Um, how you, you did doing? you did the, I'm all right. You did the solo show. I apologize you don't talk about it. I, well, I haven't listened to it yet. I haven't listened to it yet. So. That's not the point. The point is, how are you feeling? You uh, right? I feel nah. I'm still not. Still not normal yet. Okay, I'll drive. I'm gonna drive this. Yeah, week. yeah. It was. I went. I went to uh, Walt Disney World. Um, Orlando. Orlando. With oh, sorry, Kissimmee. Sorry, Kissimmee. Yeah, Kissimmee, right? And Kissimmee, St. Cloud. Yeah. One one little detail I should note is Walt Disney World is the entire entire area which is made up of a handful of parks and resorts and shopping and restaurants mm-hmm. and lots of other things. Walt Disney World is not the Magic Kingdom. The Magic Kingdom mm-hmm. is in, inside of Walt Disney World. And a lot of people say, I went to Disney World. And they'll say, really, which park? I went to Disney World. No, you went. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. so that, actually, actually, Frankenstein is the doctor. That's that's right. That's right. You know it's not I'm Frankenstein's it's a, it's monster. It's what you call superset. Superset? A superset, a subset. Yes. And you I, get deeper in the stack, you get close to the metal. That's the monster or the n- kingdom. Nomenclature. No, no man's country for old Disney. So the, my, the, uh, the, but there's a reason. There's a reason for that for folks like me, yeah. which is that until I want to say 1900 and what 81, uh, uh, the Magic Kingdom uh, for practical purposes equaled equaled. It did. It did. It was just the Magic Kingdom. They hadn't built Epcot Center plus, plus yet. The resorts, but back. I'll tell you, when I was a kid, you had. If memory serves, <clears throat> you had. I'm sorry. I think you made me sick. <laughs> I hope God. I hope not. I'm, I'm fine. I do have I do have a booger on deck over here, but I'll deal with it later. <laughs> it's okay. I'll be fine. Okay. Uh, we had, uh, had the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> you had uh, two ways to get into the park. You had the ferry or you had the monorail. And if you wanted to stay on uh, property, which nobody ever did because it was way too costly for right, people. Right. You had like the us. contemporary hotel with the monorail flying right through the middle and of it. And the Polynesian. Ah, oh, the, yes, the Polynesian, Polynesian too. Yeah, and that was it. Polynesian was their built- first like real resort experience. And the, the mm-hmm. contemporary, I think, was... Just a, a nice, very nice hotel. Now, I, I'm not, I haven't, at this point, what? I mean, I've been to, this is probably not that interesting to people, but Magic Kingdom and Epcot, you had. And then what'd you get after that? You got the animal world? There's, um... Uh, you had, the first one was the Magic, the Magic Kingdom was the first one. You're thinking of Blizzard Beach. Magic Kingdom, okay. and I should, okay. I should add for the people who haven't been listening to this show for a long time, both Merlin and I lived in... Uh, in Florida. That's right, we did. And I, I that. and and I worked at Disney. So uh, and in the did you work in the Magic Kingdom, Dan? No, I worked at uh, what is now called Hollywood Studios, which was the last park to uh, that I to be built at the time that I was there, predating Animal Kingdom. So so the order went uh, Magic Kingdom, Epcot Center, Hollywood Studios, back then called MGM Studios, and then finally uh, Animal Kingdom. And I could not tell you the order or when any of the resorts like Animal Kingdom Lodge or Blizzard right. Beach or any of those were built. I have n- right, right, right. N- no knowledge. It seemed like nothing happened for almost forever. It took, it would be, I've mentioned this before, but <laughs> I mean, so, so modest was uh, the offering in some ways. Well, that's not fair. Magic Kingdom was amazing. But <clears throat> when they were um, like planning Epcot, they changed the, um, they swapped out. It used to be for years in Liberty, Liberty Square. There was, uh, when he came in on the right, I believe, there was the story of Walt Disney. Yeah. 
which was actually, I think, a little bit of a puff piece. It was extremely positive to Walt Disney, let's be honest. Um, but eventually they swapped that out for, in the future, we're going to have Epcot. And they had like little models inside. Right. And then- at one They point, imagined think, Epcot would be a place people would, would live. The employees Environmental would prototype and, community yeah. of tomorrow. <laughs> they told us, so you get on a monorail, you go out there and you get to look at land. That's what it was. You get, you get on the <laughs> yeah. monorail and you, 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 you sit on the monorail, <laughs> you'd arrive, you get off. They built a station and they built like a, a, a map that you <laughs> could look at. Right. Like, you see all this dirt, you see all this sand, you see all this sadness, this Florida <laughs> local sadness. Like eventually this will be the future. And then you get on the monorail and go back, buy some fudge, go home. See, I actually went, the first time that I went to Disney, um, we went to the Magic Kingdom and Epcot had just opened within, certainly within the year. And so much of it was still under construction. There was yes. very few rides, uh, yes. but it was, it was still really cool to see. And they were making such a big deal out of Figment, <laughs> the, the little dragon. Do you remember Figment, yes, the dragon? Yes, in the world of, world of imagination. Yes, and they had like a weird, it wasn't obvious whether Figment was the sidekick or whether the really annoying mustached uh, wizard was the sidekick. He was basically like a repurposed pirate, let's be honest. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. And that he was, was awfully weird. colorful. It was a I, weird I, you think time. He, you think he was a you think he was a confirmed bachelor? Uh anyway, yeah, definitely. And then they had this place where you could go and, and touch all this stuff and interact with creativity beep boop. And one of the best things is after you came I can't up, believe God, you remember, remember all that. I don't remember this. Huh? <laughs> I can't I was saying I can't believe you remember this. Well then after you walked out they had something that I've now seen many times, many places, actually in many lands and countries, but they had this fountain where it would shoot yes. these tur turds of water yes. through the air. Yes, yes. It was like the coolest thing you'd ever seen. You could go play in it <laughs> and the water turds would shoot and you could hit them with your hands and they'd explode and you go, ah, it was really, really. But Epcot, you know, I'm not here. Listen, listen, Dan, I know you're not feeling well. I am not here to slag Epcot. I have not been there in a very long time. But as somebody who grew up with the magic of the literal <laughs> magic kingdom, yeah. going to Epcot, it's like, oh, you know, you can go sit in a Mexican boat. It's like, oh, that's that's cool, I guess. Yeah, I mean, no, it, the AT&T <laughs> thing was weird. The, the what's called Spaceship Earth was so lame. It's still, yeah, they... Um, a lot of the rides that that were there when I was a kid are, have been replaced with other things, and uh, but one of them that's still there and is still basically identical, and it still puzzles me as much as it did back then when I was a kid. Uh, now as an adult, is one called the Land. Do you remember that one, the Land? I feel like that was the thing, and <laughs> mainly you'd remember who sponsored it. Uh huh. Remember, and that was Kraft. Yeah, I feel it, like Kraft Foods had a thing where you're like, in the future, <laughs> lettuce will be grown upside down. Right, that's exactly, it's still like that. They basically, really? yes, they take you on, it is, I would say it's unchanged. They take you through at a very, very slow speed and you're on water for some reason. You're in, mm -hmm. you're in, and there's a lot of people in these buggies and they take you through slowly to see plants that are being, being grown inside what seems like a, a covered greenhouse mm -hmm. and you just are taken mm -hmm. slowly that through it. still like that? There, he, he, here, Merlin, are the tomatoes. Beep, boop, boop, and boop. over here is the asparagus. And then they'll have like a token employee sort of cover, a human, not an animatronic, <laughs> but a real person, <laughs> sort of just gently patting the soil 
over one of the small trees as if they're well, really doing something. Ongoing farming in one right. spot. They're doing farming right now. You're watching them farm. Is that cast member called a patter, Dan? I, <laughs> pat, pat, pat. I, I think you're thinking a fluffer. We're moving. <laughs> We're moving you up to patter. And uh, and then you slowly are, go through this ride, and you see you know things being grown hydroponically and upside down, like you said. And then they also have fish in big containers. That was, that was over. That was like almost forty years ago. Yeah, it's unchanged. And uh, so anyway, yeah. That, but but we went to we went to all the parks. My wife had the idea that my children would love the parks, and overall, I would say they did. My son described it. He is uh, almost twelve. He described it as really amazing experiences surrounded by lots of hell. And what he means... Are you kidding me? What he means by that is it's very, very hot. It's very, very humid. And there's a lot of standing. There's a lot of walking. There's a lot of what he would describe accurately as as Florida hell. But then Mm -hmm. you get on a ride and you have a great time. And then you've got to, you know, walk and wait again. My daughter thought... (laughs) The entire Disney experience is essentially costly branded (laughs) waiting. Yes. I have some comments about... (laughs) That's really true. It's it's the the waiting is branded and can be very beautiful. Like even back in the day, waiting in line, once you got inside for Space Mountain, it was kind of cool. Pirates of the Caribbean, like They've completely redone that ride. That that thing is pretty amazing now. I mean, all the rides that they, they, they have. They took are out pretty... a lot of the implied sexual assault. And oh, that's gone. Depp. It's a lot all of Depp. we got a lot of Depp in Disneyland. All Johnny now. Depp now. But uh, my daughter, really, <laughs> she's seven, almost eight. Loved the experience. Um, I think she loved pretty much everything about it. And my wife, for her, it was absolutely a magical experience. Um, m- m- I probably won't talk about my feelings about Disney World because there's, I don't, you know, people don't tune into this show. For incredibly bleak, depressing takes on things, they want to hear what's great about things. So I'm just going to keep it to myself. But I might, that's super interesting. And if you choose to do that, as you know, I will support you. Yeah, <clears throat> but I don't I don't know if it's what people tune in does it, does for. Does it fit in with our, our thing we considered talking about? Is it Disney as a thing or the thing we talked about with Disney and how it manages capacity? I want to talk about that for sure and the fast okay, pass okay, and all cool. that because all that's right. the, managing and moving people is is fascinating. And Disney the, has it down. It's like the craziest game of SimCity you can imagine. Oh, it's cr- it really is crazy. And I have a lot to say about, about that. But as far as my personal observations about Disney and, and the parks and what they are, I, I don't I don't think anyone wants to hear that. I try not to think too much about Disney as an enterprise because if I think about it too much, and this is exactly how capitalism gets you. Um, if I think about it too much, I get incredibly sad inside. That's what I'm talking about, and you're wise yeah. to to have uh, you know to it, be there. It is fun, and you know, like any parent, I feel like it's important to inculcate. Um, my daughter into the values that, that no one should have yes, at any time, yes. really. But it's important. It's important she have a branded version of that. But the you best, know, if you get the if you if you buy the Ray costume, they can send it back and it'll be waiting in your extremely expensive hotel room when you yes, arrive. Yeah, make it very convenient. My uh, my son discovered on this trip that he loves roller coasters, and he had no, been really? yeah he'd been very very resistant to roller coasters his whole life, and I kept telling him I, I really thought he'd love it, and we went on Splash Mountain. Um, and that was the only, we'll talk about fast passes later this episode, but well, this is going to be a banger, Dan. If you stay awake for this whole thing, I can tell this is going to be going already. Uh, yeah, no, I have a lot. So I have a whole back. lot. I'm glad to be back. Thank you for, uh, thank you by the way, for, um, we'll keeping, we'll keeping the ship 
uh, pointed yes. in the right direction while I was gone. Well, as you know, it's the pirate's life for me. <laughs> that's, that's right. So yo, yo ho, yo ho. So, so uh, he, <laughs> we got the redhead. He went we on. He went on uh, on this um, <laughs> on this Splash Mountain for the first time with some reluctance. But uh-huh. my wife had only planned one uh, of these roller coaster type rides because of his resistance to it. Um, I, of course, uh, it's like she'd really worked a lot of this out. Oh, she spent six months just planning it and working with a planner and, and, but uh, oh, really? Yeah. Syracuse did that and crazy. you can work out. And that's so interesting. And you could figure out stuff like, uh, again, the ebb and flow, like wh- what time to go to dinner, where, how to get the yes. reservation, like which fast pass to deploy when, like there's an yes. entire, like you could basically take a class on how to do a three day visit. Disney you property. you need to take a class on That's on it true. because it's insane. And the photos, you can manage the photo stuff. Yes, apparently. yes, you can. So I, I haven't done that, but Syracuse did that, and he said it's actually pretty cool. On Splash Mountain, a uh, a a prior employee of mine who now works at Disney. Hi, Zach. Zach, I, I'm standing there in line, and I hear Dan Benjamin, and I I'm thought, oh, what? someone someone knows something I've done, and I look over. And it was it was Zach who used to work with me. He did audio video engineering and stuff like that and uh, decided he wanted to move to Florida and decided to work at the parks. And I hadn't seen him or talked to him in so long. So it was a real surprise to see him. That's cool. And he he ran around at the end uh, and met us at the end of the ride. And my boy just loved the ride. And he's like, what did you think? He said, oh, I loved it. It was the best oh, thing ever. And so nice. my daughter liked it too. And and he, and he said, are you guys going to go on Big Thunder Mountain next? And I said, nah, you know, we didn't have the fast pass. And, you know, he's like, fast pass you're with me you don't need a fast pass so he what? uh he took us over and got us into the fast pass line he's using allowed his... to do that he can just walk you he can just leave his station and walk you over he's a very high level employee, oh he's I not guess. like a uniform cast member no he was he was doing that too but somehow he's i guess he's like a trainer or something so they have oh, perks so i don't cool. know i don't know maybe that's just something that you can just do on the ride and maybe he got fired for it. I don't know, but it, I'm, <laughs> I have he no idea to Florida for that. Yeah. But he, huh. he got us on and then, uh, <clears throat> we went on big thunder mountain and then later we went on the expedition Everest, which also people call the Yeti ride, which is in, uh, animal kingdom. We went on that and he loved that. So now that I know that he's kind of, he, he, after, after the second or third one, he said, dad, I'm officially a thrill seeker now. I said, all right, well, good, to, good to know. <laughs> Boy, he's a fountain of uh, yeah. good quotes. Yeah. We got a lot to, um, <clears throat> we got a lot to talk about here and I want to hear about something you, you like, if you'll allow it. But I do want to, um, because this opportunity really affords it, you know, I've recommended this thing several times, but um, I'm going to recommend it again. Um, uh, you don't have to be a Disney fan to watch this, but I put a, a link in show notes to a YouTube video called Remain Seated, Please, The Hoot and Chief Story. Um uh, about two big fans of Epcot Horizons in uh, the old uh, Epcot, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. We, you know, I'm are they the ones early. that that find yeah. their way? <clears throat> the part that I can say is that these two guys—they're hilariously nerdy, super fans of Epcot. That's it. Really, open it up. Wow, wow. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Sounds deeper than I remember. Are you okay, it. Todd? <clears throat> It does sound deeper. Uh, two huge fans of Epcot in general, Epcot Horizons in particular, learn that the ride that's their favorite, this terrible, terrible ride that they love, will be closing. <laughs> but but the cool part is that they have figured out this very clever, clever way that there are certain unique qualities and characteristics of Epcot Horizons that they figure out will allow them 
to slip undetected out of a car <laughs> and into the backstage of the ride, to get into the set of the ride, but to also then start exploring the space inside of the ride. And there's a whole bunch about this that I love. It's 25 minutes long. Shut up. Please watch this. Um, watch it because all the stuff that I just told you about is amazing. But then it goes another way at the end that is really good, and I don't want to spoil it. But check out Remain Seated, please, the Hoot and Chief story um, on, on, on YouTube. Um, yeah, I, I would never do that. <clears throat> I, I, uh, if there's one defining characteristic of me, apart from being just super annoying, it's that I, I don't, I don't like being in trouble and I wouldn't want to I be don't in trouble either, with Disney. Yeah. I wouldn't either. And the, they, you know, that's I mean, cost, I su- that's a costly day if you get in trouble at Disney. Yeah. I mean, well, who knows what they would do to you, but I really enjoyed this show. I thought it was really fun. I'm watching that thing. I think I'm sure you told me about it before and that's how I found oh, did it. Did you but, watch it to the end? Yeah. I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Anyway, well, well huh? <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. It's not like you're, you're not me. You don't just start stuff and then quit. Um, hey, Dan, uh, mm. welcome back. Tell me about the, if you would, if you in as much as you're able, would you tell me about something that you like? I'll tell you about Mac Weldon. I wore some of my Mac Weldon stuff on the trip and it, it, I really wanted to put it to the test because Mac Weldon, their whole, their whole shtick is that they're making clothing that are smartly designed and that work with you based on the kinds of activities that you do in real life. So you might be sitting at a desk, but you might also go to Disney. And, and so they, they're trying to build and make clothing that are going to work for you and keep you comfortable in whatever the situation is. And they want the whole shopping experience to be really easy and convenient. And it, and it is. And so they started out and like engineered their own fabric and they wanted to make the design process really good. And they want every, the fit to be the same. So if you get, if you get a shirt this month and you get the same shirt next month, that they're not made in like two different parts of the world and they are completely different. They want, they want that really great experience and that's what they deliver. And, uh, and it, so essentially this is a, a, it's a premium men's essentials brand. So you're going to get stuff like socks. You're going to get stuff like, uh, you know, underwear that has uh, the, the, the silver woven through it. So it makes it antimicrobial and keeps it from smelling. It keeps it uh, comfortable. And this is a lot of what I took on the trip and it, it just really, really worked. And I'm talking about 95 degrees, 95% humidity, and as comfortable as you could imagine being in that situation, the Mack Weldon clothes really held up for me. I really do recommend their silver underwear. They also have this in their shirts and, and, what that is, is that it eliminates odor. It's naturally antimicrobial, perfect for wearing on a trip where you might have, I don't know if I should say this, but you might have to wear the same shirt twice or something like that. You can do that with your Mack Weldon Dan, Dan, stuff. we don't plan for what's going to go flawlessly. That's we, right. We plan, we plan for, for what could go differently. So check out some Mack Weldon, get yourself some underwear, socks, shirts. They have the hoodies that Merlin and I really both like, really, really made just so, so, so well. And uh, I highly recommend their stuff. I, I, I have it myself and I enjoy wearing it. You're going to get 20% off your first order if you go to Mac Weldon. That's spelled M-A-C-K Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N, MacWeldon.com. And the promo code is B as in brothers, two is in the number, and W as in walrus. B2W is the code to use and you'll get 20% off your first order. Thanks very much to Mac Weldon for making this program possible. Dan Benjamin. <clears throat> so we, we went, my wife had planned this all for, uh, for many months in advance, every little detail. Mm-hmm. And the, the, we went, she wanted to go to all four of the parks. Uh, so that's what we did. And, uh, and you know, very successful trip. We stayed, there's lots of different places that you can stay. 
uh, and and I'm leading up into our discussion of of managing people and and fast passes because this is fascinating to me. But I highly recommend if you're going to go on one of these trips that you stay on property. And what that means is that you will stay in one of the Disney owned and managed hotels or resorts or things like that. You will pay more for it probably, but it's well, well worth it because it comes with a lot of other things. It comes with perks and free transportation and other things. But the big thing can, that it, well, can I mention one perk? Yeah, please. At least please. In, in Disneyland. Um, and now boy, Disney, was Disneyland was the first, the very first Disney park, right? And it's in, That's is right. it near LA? Is that where it is? Um, yeah, it's in Anaheim. Anaheim. Okay. But, but the, 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 I mean, like you're going to, you're going to mention a great perk in a minute that is related to this perk, but I'll tell you one perk that's real nice, especially we went after my kid had gotten older cause we're not insane, but, um, <clears throat> I mean, taking like a four year old to Disney. Yeah, there's no point. They can't appreciate yeah. it. I'm I sorry. I mean, they don't have the bioavailable fun. Um, <laughs> but one, one of the, one of your, I think you're going to mention a perk. The perk that's related to that perk is you, there's an entrance to the park. In the case of Disneyland and California Adventure, um, the really the really nice hotel at Disneyland that we stayed at once um, has uh, it has an entrance where you walk like straight. It's a, like a personal entrance to the park. You don't have to get on like a shuttle or anything. You don't even have to get on a monorail. You literally like walk into park. And like and when does that come in handy, Dan? Well, that that would come in handy pretty much. I mean, I'm not sure what you're looking for, but every, every oh, I single. I thought you were going to talk to Don't You Get Early Access. Ah, uh, yeah, the, we didn't do Magic Hours, so we didn't do them. Oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. No, the, uh, they, tell me about tell us you can, about like, Magic Hours. Days, you can get the, the thing we loved was, damn, we walked down some steps, you get some coffee and a bagel, and you literally walk into the park, and now you're in line, and you're in line. I think an hour before the park is open, right? Like to the nor- to the snorks. And boy, it is so great if you want to haul ass to Peter Pan's flight for some reason. I don't know why they still haven't solved this. No, I. You know what? Don't email me. For some reason. No, Matt. I bet when the park's closed at night, there's a long line for Peter Pan's flight. I don't understand. It was my favorite ride as a child, admittedly. But uh, anyways, if you want to haul ass to like your favorite ride, you will have a very short wait because you're none of the normals have gotten there yet. It, uh, we did not do that magic oh. hour thing. We didn't get, uh, on any, I mean, there was, there was a couple days where we got there as they were opening and I know magic hours were available to us. We didn't take advantage of that because I was just too damn early, but mm-hmm. we, uh, maybe if we had been staying in the situation that you were describing, yes, I, th- I think we definitely would have done that. The closest you can get to that for the magic kingdom is the contemporary hotel, which has the monorail flying right out of it. And I think you can, you can take that right in and it's like two minutes, but we didn't do that. What I wanted the, to the talk getting about getting into the park has historically been a hilariously long and frustrating uh, project to every child. Well, whether you're coming in for the day or even if you're if you're staying just slightly off property at Disney World, like you have no idea as a child how long it will take to get into Disney World, and then you're still not in the Magic. No, Kingdom. you're not. You still have to drive and drive and drive. When I was a kid, it was just mind-blowing to me. I was like, why don't they just ha- have you walk right into the Magic Kingdom off a road, like in Anaheim? I mean, but a lot of the interesting stuff in Anaheim is how they're able, same at Universal, is how they're able to like not make you realize that you're like you're in the middle of a city. 
right? Mm-hmm. The, the way that they do sight lines and stuff is, I'm sure we'll get to some of this, is frankly amazing. But that was the thing as a little kid. When you got to the park, it was still an hour before you got into the park. Because then you got to go park. Oh, you're parked in Dopey. And now you got to go get on this thing that smells like diesel and get in there. Oh, wait, you're not done yet. You got to you got to get your ticket. You know, if you got your ticket, oh, wow, great. Now you got to just go in and then you take a monorail ride or a ferry ride. It's an hour and a half before you even get into the Magic Kingdom. You're absolutely right. And it takes, it does take a long time. They've, they've simplified that. If one of the benefits of staying on property is that that that's a little bit better and mm-hmm. that they have these buses that, that run back and forth. So you basically just go and there's an air, a, a very nice air conditioned bus that you get on and they take you right to the park that you want to go to. There's a different bus and their buses come every like 10 minutes and there's one for every park coming to every resort. So it makes it pretty easy to at least get there as a, as a tourist. And again, like I'd always lived when, when I went, we always lived there. I never really, except when I was a seven-year-old that first time. Remind me, are you in Orlando Metro or Orlando like proper? I mean, how, how long would it take you to drive from your home? I assume you drove to work. How long did it take you to, from, to drive from driving, leaving your house to getting to where you were clocked in? That was back in the early 90s before traffic was really, really, really bad. I could probably make the drive in 40 minutes. Okay. Well, that's still, wow. That's a heck of a drive for some place that feels like it should be in town. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not. Florida's deceptive. Florida's deceptive like that. People, you don't realize. Oh, we don't realize how cold San Francisco is and how far everything (laughs) in Florida is. (laughs) We had some friends come to stay with us and they're like, oh, can we stay with you? We want to go and see. Yeah. And they said, we're going to go to Disney. We're like, you know that that we're like over an hour drive away from Disney. This was at when I was an adult and lived out kind of on the outskirts of Orlando. I'm like, we're like a drive. I'm like, Oh, I'm sure it's not that far. I'm like, that's with no traffic. It's an hour. And they did it. Right. And after the first couple of times they did it, they're like, Ooh, yeah, you're not close. Are you? I'm like, no, I told you before you came here that we were not close. Orlando's a big, wide spread out place. But anyway, the, the, you know, staying the, the biggest perk that you get and, and the only thing that makes any of the Disney parks manageable anymore is something called the Fast Pass. And so when I worked at Disney, I remember there were, sometimes there were people who, um, you know, th- these might have been, I forget the name of the program that they had, but there was a thing that they used to do for kids that had maybe d- disease or trouble or some kind of, you know, maybe they were even you know, like terminal in some way. Yeah, and it was like spe- make, special, was it special make a wish or something mm-hmm. like something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. And they would they would basically take these let, kids. Let them jump line. They would jump line. They would get right in first place. And it was I always thought it was really a wonderful thing because those lines even back then. And I and I, I figured out I worked at what was then MGM now Hollywood Studios twenty eight years ago. That's when I was working there. The park That's was sobering. two two years old. When I started working there, it's celebrating its 30th uh, year now of being around. So, um, and I worked primarily in Muppet Vision 3D and a couple of other ones. And, uh, and so anyway, you know, going, going through and seeing those kids get brought up, I always thought that was really cool. And so when my wife was planning all this, she said, oh, well, there's this thing called a fast pass. And I said, oh, is that this? And she said, no, 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 this is a separate thing. And, and it's fascinating that they've come up with this and exactly how they execute it's interesting too. But a, f- here, a short thing, first of all, there's no tickets anymore. There's no paper. There's instead, you have what's called a magic band. And by the way, you every- got that? Yes. Every, well, everyone gets the magic band Oh now. my God, I'm so fascinated. I read that Wire article years, Wired article years yes, ago about that. Yes, yes. And it sounds so interesting 
Interesting. Yes, I can tell you <gasps> all about it. Talk so much it. about this. Okay. Oh my God. So you, you, and I, again, everyone that I saw had on, and I'm not, not exaggerating. I'm saying I, I paid attention to this and the few people I saw a couple people who didn't have them. Instead, they had some kind of what looked like a temporary credit card that they would bring out and use like a magic band. I don't know why they didn't. There was only a few people that I noticed that had that. But overwhelmingly, it's all magic bands. And what this is, is this is a device, very lightweight, that you wear on your wrist like a Fitbit or similar um, tracker of some kind. And it has some kind of uh, NFC type chip or reader in it or something like that. It's not heavy. You don't notice that you have it on once you put it on. They make them in all different colors and styles. They make them with, you know, Disney characters on them or just plain. And, uh, and so you get one of these when you get your tickets, essentially. And you wear this thing on your wrist as you travel through the park. And you, the primary purpose of this, I think, is to let you into the park and then to sort of maybe track you as you're doing different things. But the most obvious use of it is with this FastPass technology. And uh, can, can first, I mention just a, I, I, this, I know this is the core of what we're talking about. Can, can I just quickly, I'm sorry, I don't yeah, want to interrupt you. Can no, I, can I quickly mention something? And this is an old article. This is from 2015. And let me make this super quick. I, I heard about this and my, a million things went through my mind. I'm setting aside all the like blah, 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 privacy implications. Yeah, stuff. yeah. But like the, the, the notion of this was so mind-blowing. Having grown up with, I grew up with, it costs, what, 20 bucks to get into the Magic Kingdom and then you have to buy a ticket book. A through E tickets, right? Then in the early 80s, they switched to basically you get this card on a string that like hangs off. And then eventually they got rid of all of that and L rides were equal. The swan boats were exactly, exactly the same $0 as Space Mountain, et cetera. Um, the, to the tiki thing people weirdly like. Okay, but what fascinated me about this was like, yes, it's fascinating for uh, the, the, the technology behind it. I put this Wired article from 2015 in show notes. But they said it makes it possible for stuff like when you show up for your character breakfast or in like, it's your birthday. Mm -hmm. Like they know that and yeah. they'll greet you and they'll say like, hello, Sally and stuff mm -hmm. like that without the implications of that blew my mind immediately. But then I think what you're going to talk about is even more mind boggling to me because it, it, it helps. It's going to help them manage the park better. Right. Yeah, it really does. So what they, what they have come up with is, uh, so normally, and I'm sure there's a lot of our audience that has never been to a Disney park, but they've been somewhere where you have to wait. And and the way that Disney has organized the queue is there's usually, they've tried to minimize how much you actually have to stand like outside in full sun. So normally you you will kind of enter a ride and then there will be a very, very, very long queue inside of the ride. And of course, because it's Disney, they've gone to extreme measures to make everything look really, really good and authentic. So if you're going into the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, it's going to look while you're in there waiting like you're in some old cave or like an old, you know, where a pirate yeah. treasure mine or something, you know, especially so, for the sort of like um, top tier rides. Yeah, uh, me. Space, Space Mountain was the first one to do this. There were other ones like. Like the terrible Monsanto 360 vision, though I have to give them credit because they were able to do that with moving large numbers of people from room to room. Yeah, it extends to things like Carousel of Progress. Why is Carousel of Progress was interesting because it was four, I believe, four different scenes. Mm -hmm. But the carousel that turned around those repeating scenes also meant a flow of people. 
right? The Wedway People Mover. What that was—that's that kind of um, rider attraction that was so great because it was constantly moving, and they had all these different ways of trying to manage all of that. But on something like Space Mountain, Space Mountain is the first one I remember. Where like when you're waiting in line by the standards of the time, it was mind-boggling because first of all, yes, it was air conditioned, but there was also like they were already trying to immerse you in in mm-hmm. what was happening, right? Yeah. So by the time that you're actually getting on the ride, the the buildup uh, and the lead up to it has been going for a while, and the excitement has built, and it, it's very effective. Totally, and, and it's, air, it's air conditioned. And it's air like, conditioned. Why are we saying air conditioned so much? You have no idea how hot it is there. Oh, it's and unbearable. You're already in the sun, costly branded waiting. There is so much being in Florida heat. And it's not fun for me. And and again, this is, I don't want to go and and say all the bad things about it, but for me, that was completely unbearable and, and, uh, experience ruining for me. And my wife wanted to do it at this time of year because it was the earliest part of the summer. The kids had just gotten off of school and, um, you know, and I had (laughs) suggested maybe we could do it between December and February uh, but it's it was too hard to plan it then. You for could go in August where it'd be equally hot, but also you'd wait for an hour and a half while it rains. Yeah, yeah. So this is when we went, but the fast pass really helps. So what the the fast pass does is it it basically you cut most of that line. There is a special line for fast pass. You have to use your magic band to. Uh, to allow yourself to get entry and they have a person standing there watching, but you scan your magic band and they have these big Mickey mouse, um, you know, Mickey mouse ears on it. These like big readers that, that have a big light on them and you slam your magic band up to it and it goes ding. And then you get to walk in and that only can happen at the time that you have allotted for your fast pass and fast passes are ride specific. I think you get three per day. And they allow a window of time where during that window, you can basically cut the line. So the longest Mm -hmm. that you'll wait winds up being, I think, seven minutes is is how long you wait at the most if you have a fast pass. So what that means, an example would be versus versus what could be two hours, two hours. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at least 50 minutes, if not longer. So mm-hmm. an example of this would be the first one we did this with was Splash Mountain. You walk up to it. There's a person there. You hit the thing. It lets you in and you walk down a whole separate line that kind of takes you around the side of where everyone else is waiting and you walk up and down and and then you go. And now all of a sudden it spits you out at what is basically the very front of that line to where the employee, the cast member is there saying, how many in your party for? OK, you're in this line and this line. And then you're on the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, it's we it, have we have it's amazing. That, we have that at. Disneyland properties and I mean not not the band but the fast pass system exists there and now I've seen it at other places I think like Universal right and there is a certain kind of game theory is the wrong word for it but there is a necessary strategy yes where you can do something like say you know you go like okay well we know there's this one banger of a ride and we, you run your card it's basically like a you know like a BART card you run this little card and it says okay well now you you can do your fast pass at thus and such time. So it says like, like it could be an hour from now. Right. right. So you're pre, you're basically like pre-waiting. And, but that's so brilliant because if you get it right and time it right, you might have time for one or even two small rides while you're waiting for that fast pass. And it becomes almost like the amazing race or something. We're like, well, then once you've done that, you've run that fast pass on something like Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever, you can do it again for the next one. But it, it is very, there, you're right. There is like a strategy 
to to deciding how to deploy it. You, you must use and you really should use it. Yeah, you really need to because you have this, like you were saying, it's like there's a window of time. So you might say, well, you can go on Splash Mountain anytime between 10 and 11. That's when you can use your fast pass. If you don't use it, it just goes away. But of course you want, you want to, you want to use that. So you want to time things correctly, but, and this is the interesting part you get it. Now, anyone going to the parks can buy and just pay money to get fast passes. But unless you are staying on property, you only have 30 days in advance to get your fast passes. If you're staying on property, you get 60 days in advance and you would say 60 days, 30 days, that both seems like plenty of time, but it's not because if you think about the millions and millions and millions of other people who will be in that park on the same day at the same time as you, that you're wait com- a minute that's fascinating because yes, it's almost like yes. springsteen tickets yes like you can't buy spring no matter how much you no matter how much you want to pay if the springsteen tickets are gone you're sol that's exactly the way the fast pass Holy works crap. too so okay. let's say let's say that both you and i want to go on splash mountain and we're staying in a resort and you're not we have 60 days in advance to say okay let's go on splash mountain on monday uh, between 10 and 11 and then there's lots of other people who are doing that too, but eventually that slot fills up. So now nobody can That's get a fast pass crazy. from 10 to 11. Wait a minute. The actual ride? Yes. Your pick, wait. Yes. You have- that's wait a minute. You're the not fast saying to purchase. Is, you're not saying to to purchase and utilize the fast pass. You're saying to deploy it for a given ride yes. at a given time. Yes. You could do it two months ahead of time. Yes. You in fact oh you, you have to do it ahead of time because these slots fill up. I don't know how many fast pass entrance um how many fast pass people could go on Splash Mountain in an hour, but there's a limit. And once that limit is hit, then you're eventually there won't even be any left. You won't even, you wouldn't even be able to get any. So even if you're buying them 30 days in advance, you still might say, oh, well, we couldn't get on Tower of Terror because there weren't enough fast passes. So if we mm-hmm. want to do Tower of Terror, we've got to wait. Uh, and there were a number of rides that we did have to wait for where you can only have a fast pass for, I think it's three rides in a day. Now, after mm-hmm. you use those three, there is an app that you can use, the Disney app that can sometimes let you get another one later in the day if there's an opening or if someone you know, canceled or something like it's that. It's like people waiting for tickets uh, for Broadway. We're like, if, yeah. if it turns out it's like a some openings, will call you can almost. pick them up. That's will right. Call. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. stand by on a plane or something. But yeah, so so you can you can do that, but that's another incentive. Another interesting thing about the Magic Bands is if you're staying on property, you can choose to have the bands connected to your room. So with a pin code, you can use them to buy things in in the the park so if you see a little shirt that you want to pick up or you're thirsty and you want to buy a drink or you want to eat lunch you can use your magic band to buy it so that you don't even have to carry any cash or wallet or card or anything with you you can do it just with your magic band and it charges to your room but only if you're staying on property if you just bought a ticket you can't do that um and (laughs) there and and they opted the i was talking to one of the um one of the people that worked in one of the the gift shops while I had a little time to kill. And I was asking her what percentage of people use the magic band to pay for, cause you know, I'm doing research at the park. And, uh, and I said, what percentage of people do you think are use the magic band? And that's how I learned this. I didn't, I didn't know that you couldn't do it unless you were staying at a resort. And she said, but we don't have any, um, Apple Pay or Google Pay or any any of those services, none of those are on anywhere in any of the parks at all. It's either 
magic band tied to your room or you're using a credit card or cash when you buy stuff. So I thought that was wow. interesting too. But there is definitely Disney knows it because they're tracking you and they have you scan into a lot of rides. Even when you don't have a fast pass, a lot of the time they'll have you scan in and, and they're absolutely tracking you through the park and seeing this many people signed up for a fast pass. This is the percentage of people that used it. Like they know all of that stuff. It seems to me like there's, there's ways in which they're tracking you. And yes. there's ways in which they're tracking you. Mm-hmm. Yes, both. I mean, for the first one, right? I mean, I, they're, they're for practical purposes indistinguishable. There's one part where you're just you're just somebody moving around, and that becomes important for different kinds of resource leveling. I, I certainly stuff like how do we know how how what the, what the staff requirements are going to be? How many? Right. I mean, back in the day, how many um, Space Mountain? Uh, what queues should be open? How many cars are we running? All that kind of stuff. But you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it extends to, we know how many churros this place will sell based on how many people have been on this ride in this temperature. And this sounds mental, but I bet this is real. Yeah. I bet they know, I bet they know um, how many, how many stitch dolls of what size to deploy yeah. in a given store, yeah. knowing these conditions, the time of year, how close it is to Christmas. I bet there's stuff that they can do that is just mental where some of it will very much heavily rely on like, well, is this a kid versus an adult? But I bet a lot of it is just meat. They're just moving meat around and knowing what meat does. No, exactly. They are. And, and, and if you, you know, and they have all of that data too. They know the weather, they know exactly what the conditions were. They know how long the waits were. They know how long, how many people using fast passes, they can track your progress through the park, all of it, all of it. And Mm -hmm. so they have become masters of all of this. And, you know, one of the upsides is you get a lot of little perks from this. Um, like, like if you're staying on property and you want to buy something, you can just tell the person in the store to have them send it to your, your hotel room, you know, where you're staying. And I've it, never felt more fancy than my life than when so we nice. bought a Ray costume and it just appeared in our room. It's so weird. I was like, I'm so unworthy of this. this is really cool. <laughs> it's like, this is how that percentage of people gets to live and there's no charge for that but it's it's like really cool it's really really fun i can afford exactly two nights of this that's right that's right but uh you know i was just really really fascinated by the way that they how good disney is at moving people around in ways that most cities don't have down very well i was reading your tweets where you were talking about um, was it you? I thought it was you talking the about how difficult stuff? it is to to get like the Bart and the difference between Muni oh, and Bart. Oh gosh, and, yes, 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 yes. You yeah. know, and this made me this kind of related to that in some way. Um, you know, can we keep talking about this? This is interesting sure. to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I have I have so much stuff here to talk about with recommendations. I can hold those to the end. But would do, can we continue with this? And you maybe tell me about something you like. I'll tell you about Grammarly. It's a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake free, clear, and effective. And they are encouraging everyone, even the best students and top professionals to use Grammarly to do their best work and to accomplish even more of your goals. It's Grammarly is a, it's a writing assistant. It basically makes you look and sound smarter. And this is something you can use to help your communication, whether it's at school or work, pretty much anywhere with Grammarly. And it's, this is how it works. It's, it's, it's available on multiple browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, and it works with iOS, Android, Windows, and, and of course Mac. And they have a free product that reviews critical spelling and grammar. But if you want to get serious and this, you want this to become a real tool to really, really uh, up your game when it comes to the writing, they have something called Grammarly Premium. This looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, 
uh, style within context. It has vocabulary suggestions. Uh, it, it'll help you with conciseness and readability and it even understands readability uh, in different occasions, whether you're writing a business proposal or an academic essay or even just a blog post, like it's going to understand those contexts and make different kinds of recommendations based on the language uh, style that you're going to be writing in. And uh, it, it does simple things like helps you stop making typos on your phone, but it'll also help you close more deals at work because you'll be writing more effective emails. It'll help you polish your resume. It'll help you get a new job. There's so much you can do with Grammarly. And our listeners will get 20% off Grammarly Premium if you go to Grammarly, and I'll spell it for you, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y, Grammarly.com slash back to work, spelled out. You go to that, you will get 20% off your premium account today. Give Grammarly a try. At the very least, try their, their free product, but consider upgrading to premium. It really, really is so useful, and you're going you're gonna to sound like a genius. Grammarly.com slash back to work. Thanks very much, Grammarly, for making this show possible. Thanks, Grammarly. Buck, buck. Hello. Disney World. Disney World. But I mean, it, for um, me, for yeah. me, it was just really interesting to watch this because you have so many people. I had I had bookmarked, but I didn't add it to the notes. Um, maybe you talk for that, a minute. We've reached that stage of life, and I'm probably stealing this quote from somebody, but... There's that stage of life you get to as an old guy where you mainly think about how much it costs to have something um, built, maintained, or delivered. Yes. More like when I went to Las Vegas um, the first time, I was just, I, I was obsessed with what it must have taken to get every single thing in that city there. It's in the middle of a literal desert. Right. Like not, not the least water. Like how did all the water get in the Bellagio fountain? Right. I mean, just, just, just everything, everything about it. I, it's, I, I remember my grandfather being like this, where he'd always want to talk to whoever's working somewhere and asking questions about like how that place got put together. Yeah. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely at that stage for some, and being a man who still doesn't understand how his toilet works. Like I have endless curiosity about how the world operates, but especially places like just ain't really how anything works. Right. And as we'll talk about in a minute, how anything works is pretty different for so many reasons from how Disney properties can work and i don't i don't even know if there's that that much to learn from the, the wood let's san francisco was just while you were talking i made a couple notes about san francisco and how it can quote unquote change but like yeah it's it's endlessly fascinating to see when you control that much of the environment like what your options are for doing that in a well in a way that's really good um you know for your uh for your company well i have some i do have some facts tell me I've, more i found my article so um I'm not going to spend the rest of the show just sharing numbers, although for me, I could because it's fascinating. But here's some global. So Disney has lots of theme parks. Okay, so keep in mind that these uh, these numbers here are just going to be global. But let's put this into perspective for people. Total number of Disney park visitors in 2018 globally, 157 million. Uh, Percentage increase in Disney park attendance from 2017 to 2018, 4.9%. Uh, most up, people up, 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 most people, when I in talk one, to them in one year, yes. Uh, okay. most people, when I talk to them about it, they say, I thought, I thought no one was going to the parks anymore. How, how <laughs> wrong you are. Um, average number of Disney park visitors per month. Again, this is the global number 13.1 million over 3 million per week going to these things. And I'll get a little specific magic kingdom attendance for 2018, 
20.859 million people went through the Magic <laughs> Kingdom in 2018. And isn't a ticket like $100 now? I think it's more than that, yeah. Oh my God, that's wild. Isn't that at 1.73 million per month going through 401,000 people per week and per day, it was almost 60,000 people per day. So when, when you go to that Magic Kingdom park, you're there with almost 60,000 other people. I'm sure that's the average. I'm sure some days it's a lot more than that. There's a people mind in hotels. Boggling. There's people at yes. Discovery Island. I yes. don't have that. Epcot, like, um, Epcot is a bit less. They have uh, 12 million uh, there in per, per year. people are eating. They're buying Stitch dolls. They're getting shirts and ears. And you've got to manage all of those people. And you've got to keep, you like you said, you've got to keep them you've fed. The you've got to keep them cool. And the ears. <laughs> like these ears are branded for, here they call it, um, I believe they're in Florida's Liberty Square. Here you got um, the New Orleans area. Like it's, my daughter got a pair of like haunted mansion themed ears that are kind of goth. Like those have to get to this place. I mean, so when you talk about like, when you talk about Apple, so can we, can we get nerdy about this a little bit? Sure. Do you mind? Am no, I, I, let's, let's do it. No, do it. Okay. Um, whenever Apple, it was interesting because for so long with, um, with Apple and Steve, uh, in the, in the height of the, of the Steve era in the early 2000s, um, you know, there was this model where I don't even know what it's called, but, um, we'd have these four quadrants for like, like laptops, you know, you, there was usually like four, you had four options in terms of, you know, you could get this, this level of power at this size or that size. And then this level of power at this size or that size. And the, that, there was this two by two grid for so many things that Apple made for a long time. You know, at one point, obviously you had the iPod and you could get this iPod, that iPod. And I, there's the term, a term that uh, I hope I'm not misusing. So for every given instance of a combination of factors for an item that you sell, you have something called a SKU. Like that, that's a, whatever that means. It's like yeah. something, something unit. Something, but a skew, yeah. a skew is like, if you want to say like, okay, iPod, yellow submarine iPod with this capacity and this particular thing, right? You think about like all the, all the different stuff, every single dongle, every single thing, but, but it's more than just the instance of a laptop. Okay. Which kind of laptop are we talking about? Is it a MacBook Air? Is it a MacBook Pro? Okay. What size screen? What configuration? But at a certain point, you, you have this certain number of SKUs. And I think it's generally considered, I don't want to talk out of my ass, but the point is the more SKUs you got, the more SKUs you got to deal with. Because wouldn't it be nice if somebody could walk into a given retail store and buy exactly the thing that they want and it's in stock? Think about that for a second. Do you think for a second that like every Apple store in the world could have every combination of things? Do you want a Mac Pro with this configuration with four terabytes? And No, you can't do that. That's, that's unsustainable. So you have to make decisions. How many SKUs will your company have? And then how many SKUs items will each store have in stock? Well, you're going to have to make all kinds of tough decisions, right? You're going to make a lot of hard decisions about all the way back to production. How many of this phone in this model? You know, my kid has a hand-me-down iPhone that's several generations old. It's pretty hard to find it. You can't get a case in the store. Right. They don't make case. I don't think they have cases in the store that are not for current models of devices. I think you're right. You know, yeah. Yep. I have a fairly recent iPad Pro that I can't, I don't think I can find a case for. I've got to go somewhere else. Anyway, you see where I'm going with this. Um, and, and so there's all kinds of decisions that have to be made. Or you think about groceries and you start thinking about the way this kind of stuff works with famously with um, uh, Walmart. 
Mm. There's some wonderful articles out there about the way that Walmart has leveraged just in time, um, JIT manufacturing and delivery and deployment to like, they have this incredibly sophisticated, Amazon taking this to the 10th power. But the notion is like, you want to deploy all of your resources in this way that's really smart. And I think some concepts in just in time, this is, I think, I don't know a lot about it, but it's, I think it was originally pioneered by the Japanese in the eighties. And it's just this idea that like, you want to minimize the amount of waste. You want to minimize the amount of storage. You want to be incredibly trim and smart about being able to predict what's going to be needed when and where. Right. And so for manufactured goods, I'm almost done. For manufactured goods, that's kind of difficult. You need a ton of data and a lot of money to get an infrastructure in place to deliver the right things to the right place. Right. Right. I mean, you go into, you'll take a great example of this. You go into a bodega or you go into an airport store, you go into like your, your whatever, even your corner 7 Eleven. Like there's a reason why that particular Android cable at that length is in that store because they know enough to know it doesn't pay for us to have a huge number of 30 pin iPod uh, cables in here, right? Right. We know that like how much stuff you need to make slushies because we don't want to run out of any of that stuff. But every one of those things requires decision-making. All of those decisions require historical data that lets you swag, like scientific wild-ass guess. It lets you like make a probability guess about what should go where. So where am I going with all of this? Like that, that's where we've been for 30 years, 40 years, is that we've learned that you can get smarter about deploying these kinds of resources by using data in an intelligent way. And I, my mind swims with how what you're describing takes that and kind of just explodes it in a way that that is super interesting to me. Because now, like... Let's just start with the historical data. Like I say, they know how many churros to have in this area at that time. They know how many people, you can get the general stuff. Like we know approximately how many people need to be working on the Haunted Mansion ride this day, Mm -hmm. even at this time. But think about what that means for getting all that stuff moved around and in place when it's not guesses, right? You're no longer guessing based on historical data. You can see patterns emerge in demand, whether that demand is for a seat on Space Mountain, whether that demand is for a churro, or, or just even seemingly obscure corner cases. My last thing on this, uh, I think, is that, it, it, you know, in the past, we've used this kind of information to get smarter and leaner about the way we, you know, conduct a business or an enterprise. But what's so interesting to me about this is that it's, first of all, that, that it is no longer a guess. But like, just think about the amount of flexibility that that gives you now. Right. The best thing for flexibility. And I want to, if you, if we have time, I want to come back to this. Yeah, sure, sure. But like, but like, for example, what's our flexibility? Well, our flexibility is we might be able to strap on another BART train because it seems like there's more people today. Yeah. They know all kinds of stuff. They know about weather. They know about traffic patterns. They know about, is this a holiday? There's, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to undersell this, but like, there's not a huge amount of flexibility, um, to build capacity very, very quickly in a city. And you see that in so many places. You see all the crazy stuff. Like yesterday, Jason Goldman and some friends were jo- joking about some of the crazy traffic and parking situations you get into in San Francisco. Like there's this one target on Geary Street that was like, it's it, it's like it was built by either, not it's not even like it was built by Escher. It was like it was, like it was in, built by like 
designed by Sid Barrett while he was having a bad trip. Because it isn't like in Florida where you go up and down the parking lot. Like each length of a lane in the parking lot is different. And there might be a guardrail at the end here and you have to turn really hard. There's an oil loop place near my house that's built on this impossible angle. And it's basically triangle shaped because like that's the amount of space that was available. There's those kinds of adaptations. But like, look at stuff like, I mean, now we're getting a little crazy, but look at stuff like housing. There's just, it is, you talk about turning a slow moving ship. It's just so interesting to me to, um, well, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, to have built all of this infrastructure in place to something where they now have just a surpassing level because they have the control, really, primarily. Um, they now have such a level of flexibility to adapt to almost any conditions. They can do it less co- in a less costly way and a faster way. And they can react to change. When something crazy does happen, they run out of stitch dolls because, I don't know, something went wrong. They have a way to adapt to that now. So, I don't know, just thinking about the implications of that is mind-boggling to me for a business. I, you know, when, when you really try to understand this, it is, it is one of the most mysterious things. And if you, if you think about how many places actually have to do that kind of thing, whether it's Disney, you know, tracking how many people come and go through their gates in one day or San Francisco, you know, trying to move people around the city. I mean, like there, that's not something regular people even think about ever. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean, like, like if, you, if you run that bodega, I mean, obviously airport, airport store is different because that's probably very corporate and top down. And I'm sure they have a ton of data about that. But even at the most basic level at the bodega, they know that these, this kind of beer is something I really need to keep in stock. Right. Right. Or right. these, these cigarettes or like whatever that is. And like, if we don't get, if we run out of minute rice, it's not going to be the end of the world. Like the, you would have just even just running your own store like that, you would know all, all kinds of eighty twenty stuff about what what to do. Right. But but that's that's every business's dream is mm-hmm. to be able to, to not have that have kind to of have yeah. a year a year's supply of minute rice when you're paying you know so much for every cubic inch of your property. Like nobody wants to have to store rice. Right. To know what people are going to want in advance of when they want it, and to be correct about that. Dan, comic shops. Yeah. Think about comic shops. This is a, this is exactly what comic shops struggle with, right? I mean, like it's the opposite. It's the opposite of Disney. <laughs> and we talked about this so many times, but like this is why it's difficult. This is probably in part why Two Cats isn't around anymore. You ha- you have to know weeks ahead of time exactly how many physical copies of a comic you want to pre-order, c- and because a you want to have enough to supply demand, and b not so many that you have to eat the cost because you can't return them. And it's, it's completely a guess. It's, I think, I think it's almost completely a guess. You could say, oh, well, that's Sarah Pacelli. She moves some units. Right. But like, that doesn't mean I'm going to get 35 copies this week. Yeah. <sighs> Cities. Cities are hard. I think, uh, I think theme parks are pretty hard. And it, I remember when I went to work, uh, when I went to work at Disney World, my girlfriend at the time worked in the... I think she had oh, moved just, into didn't the, she work in the Haunted, Haunted Mansion? Mansion. Yeah. Yes, I remember that. And uh, and I really, of course, I really wanted to work in the Haunted Mansion, but she'd been waiting to work in the Haunted Mansion for, I think, a couple of years at that point. There's always a waiting list because that was a tough place to get into because it's so cool. And mm-hmm. one of the things that, you know, I was, I, I thought I was, as, as they say, I thought I was just going to walk in and be like, yeah, I want to work in the Haunted Mansion. Sure. You can mm-hmm. start tomorrow. Uh, but that that wasn't it. And I got shunted to this sort of brand new third park, 
which still is really, really small by comparison. They've done a lot to make it more interesting. They have a, a Toy Story land that has been added to the park. And of course, the big yes. thing that they're working on right now for Hollywood Studios is, and I believe it opens in August, uh, is the Star Wars land, which is, if you remember the Star Tours ride in uh, in Hollywood Studios, which is essentially, it's a box and it has seats in it. And I guess it seats probably about 50 people. And the, the chairs... Um, and the, the room kind of moved to simulate the feeling mm-hmm. that you are sort of sitting in a C-3PO piloted um, vehicle, space vehicle. And so you sit in there and it jostles you around for a few minutes and you leave. And that was the Star Wars presence <laughs> of, for all of these years. Now they're right. actually opening like a huge, huge, huge Star Wars I just I just put a link park. in. It's crazy. The hotel in particular is going to be insane bonkers but here's the thing and this leads me to the comment that you made earlier in the program Hmm. which is where is it you can't see the new theme park you can't see any of it connected to the old stuff you would have no idea that it was there where are the construction vehicles where's the noise where uh you know where is all the like barricades it's invisible you as a a tourist have no clue that this thing is literally weeks away from opening uh maybe days away now um you know what i'm saying like it's mm-hmm. it's all and this is part of that it's all like like shielded from view. shielded from view and so one of the things it's I was, like this, like, there's a whole thing that we would never in a million years have time to get time to get into that we've talked about before but like all the secrets of disney yes, properties including yes. stuff like i mean let's there's an easy one that almost everybody knows that's still amazing which is the way they use force perspective so when you're walking down main street um, they slowly change the scale of the building as it gets higher up. So that, it, so in other words, like you see something, you see the first story of something and it's about 10 feet tall. And then the second story is going to be smaller than 10 feet tall. It's like the way Peter Jackson did Lord of the Rings or like they did the same thing with, um, they do the same thing with the castles where the castles are not near other things in a way that let you visually quickly detect how big they are. The castle at Disneyland is really, really tiny at Disney world. It's big, but in all of those cases, they do all these things. And then sort the sort of thing John Gruber and I could talk about for five hours is the way the ground, the pavement slowly changes as you move from say Adventureland to Frontierland and the music, the ambient music changes. And, and then at Disneyland, and at Disneyland gets some stick about this because they, have, they haven't really kept up with this quite the way you might want. But you can't tell you're in the middle of a city. Sometimes it's as obvious, like, oh, here's a tall wall that's the color of the sky. But yeah, there's a million things like that. I'm just looking at this one about uh, secrets at Disneyland. But like Disney World in particular, I mean... Well, you know, there's really, the, 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 the Main Street one, I think, is a great example because even though the castle is big, it's nowhere near as big as it seems to be. And one of the reasons that they did that is they, right. they had Main Street uh, and it actually, as you walk toward the castle from the entry point, the road is much wider when you first get there uh, and much, much more narrow when you finally get to the castle. Oh, and this is really, yes. And so this tricks you. If into, you looked at that from a satellite, would you be able to see it? I'm sure you would. I think that That's would be interesting crazy. to look at on Google maps or something, but yeah. But so, then you also have to think about stuff like when people get in that line to come in at the beginning, yeah. all kinds of things to think. I mean, there's so much to keep in mind with all of these design decisions and then and to, to iterate them over time. It's, it's mind boggling. It really is. There's so many little details like that. And it it's, 
I mean, it's just crazy. And I remember like when I went to work there, it was college and I was like, they pay pretty well. And I have some friends that work there. My girlfriend worked there. And so it just, it just kind of seemed like a fun thing to do when I was in college, you know, and I had had so many, right. I feel like I remember hearing Disney is not at the, at the time it was paying me more than I was earning at any other job. So at the time Mm -hmm. it was, but again, this is almost 30 years ago. I have no idea how it compares now. That's that's when my information is from too. So, (laughs) so I don't know. I don't know. It was more than I was making it, you know, whatever other crap job I was doing at the time. Uh, delivering pizza or whatever. But so, so, but it was, I knew that it would be a neat opportunity. I thought it would be something that would be fun to try, but I mean, there, it, it is a huge, just to give you an idea for somebody who works in the magic kingdom, the way this is, this is how they get to work. You drive your vehicle from wherever you're coming from and keep in mind, this is central Florida. There is no public transportation. So it's not like you're taking a bus or a train like you would in a, in a, another kind of metropolitan city to get to work. That's not an option. You're driving, you are driving to Disney world. So you drive to Disney world, but you don't go in the main entrance that other people go to. You're going to go to a uh, employee only entrance. That's not marked or anything like that. You right. drive to that. And then there's a huge parking lot there. You will then get from the, from the parking lot. And then this is going to vary differently depending on which park you work in. You might then get on a people mover that picks you and the other employees up from where you parked and drives (laughs) you to a backstage area that um, usually is called something like wardrobe. And then you will go into wardrobe and you will pick up your clothing for that day, depending on which attraction that you're working in and what other conditions are present that day and they'll they'll give you a and you sign you'll tell them your name they type it in they go get your costume they bring it to you and then they are you're handed your costume then you go into a locker room and you uh you get changed and you put your clothes into the locker you lock the locker and then you go into the uh into the another area that again depending on the park maybe you can walk through the underground tunnels uh, and get to your attraction and come up inside of your attraction that way. Maybe they don't have it, so they have a backstage area, so you're walking kind of out of sight. One of the things that Disney wanted to change when he uh, opened the Magic Kingdom parks instead of, I guess, the way Disneyland did it originally back then, I think they've changed it, was he never wanted someone who worked in the Haunted Mansion to be walking mm-hmm. through the park from one entrance into and walk into the Haunted Mansion. It was just... You just appeared. You should in, never. It's along. It's along the lines of the sight lines. You should never see any something, anything that's like out, out, out of, of place, place. whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, you would see just, those entrances. Like sometimes you'll see those entrances. If memory serves, I, I assume this is still the case. But you'll see these uh, these places all around the edges of a given area in the park. You'll see cast members only. Yeah. Say like, and that that'll be like the little you know, branded cool. Like it looks just like the area, but like that'll be steps yes. down to the first floor. Cause Disney world or magic kingdom is as Dan knows. And most people in Florida know Disney world uh, is built on the second floor. The first floor is a tunnel system. And right. The second floor is like the actual park you're in. Exactly. And so you've got, uh, you've got all these little, little things, but just to get just like what you were saying in the beginning of like, how do you, as a tourist get into Disney? It's at least that complicated as an employee to get oh, in there. And you get all the worst part of going to Disney world every day. Yeah, you get it all. And wow. I mean, and you're like, you're waiting for a tram waiting for a thing. And I remember there was one guy while we were on our way out of the magic kingdom 
you know, there's the, the sort of the main street, um, has like old timey stuff from like the, what feels like Norman Rockwell painting. And they yeah, had I'd say like the, like just after turn of the century, yeah. you know, kind of Midwestern America feel or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. For or something sure. Out of the music man. Yeah. Just, yes. Just out of the music man. And so they've got, they've got this guy who looked like he could be a member of a barbershop quartet and he's playing piano and he's got like his hair parted in the middle and like flattened down in that old style. And he's got the, the, the little bands that go just below the elbow over your shirt to keep your your garters. shirt garters yeah, out of the way. And, um, and he's all do and, and he's sitting out there and he's playing these old tunes on the piano, like ragtime tunes or whatever it was. And it's 9,500 degrees, 95% humidity. Ugh. I'm wearing like state of the art moisture wicking clothing that's designed <laughs> to keep you as cool as possible when you're in the most unfortunate conditions. And it's like, I went crazy and bought a bunch of this stuff. Cause I'm like, I hate the heat. I hate the humidity. I got to get through this somehow. Uh, my wife's making us go. So like, fine, I'll go and buy all this. I was dying in what I was wearing and I was well prepared for it. And here's this guy in that outfit working, playing the, playing the piano in this. There's no fans because no one wants to see a fan. <clears throat> Disney world doesn't want you to see a fan. Mm-hmm. And here's this guy and he's just out there playing. I'm like, you couldn't pay me a hundred bucks an hour to do that. Like there is no amount of money that would get me to do that. That like, that's my job. And knowing what he had to go through just to get into costume and onto property and everything else, like the, you got a hand to these I can't, people. I cannot even imagine. Um, uh, just real quick. Oh, oh uh, yeah. So, oh, this is a funny one. This is a funny, uh, Oh, let me tell you real uh, quick before you do it. Pause. No, this will create no. some suspense in the listener. Let me tell you about Luna display. Ooh. It is the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. You can finally use your iPad as a super portable second display for your Mac. You get stunning image quality. There's virtually zero lag. You can be in the coffee shop. You can be co-working. You can be on your sofa. You can be on an airplane. You will have your workspace from your Mac on your screen wherever you go. You can use it as a second monitor and that's all, sure. Or you can pick it up and take it with you. And it's it just it's just amazing. It works over your existing Wi-Fi. It'll work over USB if you don't have Wi-Fi. And you get a iPad that is now a complete extension of your Mac. You can move Windows between the two of them. It has support for external keyboards, Apple Pencil, and the best of all, touch interactions. It literally turns your Mac into a touchable device. And it's amazing. It does this all with this tiny little USB stick thing that plugs into the back of your Mac. Uh, our listeners, Merlin, will get 10% off the Luna display by going to Luna, L-U-N-A, display, D-I-S-P-L-A-Y, lunadisplay.com, and enter the promo code back to work at checkout, and you'll get 10% off. Merlin, I know you're a big fan. I love this big thing. Big fan. Listeners magic. Are Black love magic. This. Love Black it. magic. Lunadisplay.com. Back to work is a promo code. Thanks very much to them for supporting this program. Thanks, Luna Display. Buck, buck. We should probably uh, curtail the Disney talk. That's probably enough. Yeah, it's probably enough. I had one little, uh, this one always delights me. Um, in main, on, in main street, there's a, there's so many Easter eggs. Um, as long as we're talking about main street, some of the Easter eggs include like people who have worked at Disney or like help build the park. The names of them are, are utilized for like the names of companies painted on the windows, but there's one that's hilarious. Um, and I'm trying to get the exact 
I want to get this factually right, but there's one window or series of windows in Main Street uh, at Disney World. There's all the names of the fake holding companies oh. that Disney used to, to buy all the land that became Disney World. Right, right. Because they, when they moved in, they needed... Reedy Creek Improvement District, I think they called yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They needed tons and tons and tons and tons of land. to buy so much land that couldn't be traced to Disney. To Disney. It's Latin American Development, Tomahawk Properties... Uh, Bay Lake Properties, Reedy Creek Ranch Lands, uh, I, oh, that's funny, I4 Corporation, A-Y-E-F-O-U-R, I4. Um, all right, well, should we do some, uh, should we do, Dan, welcome back. Thanks. You're really hanging in. Can we do some odds and sods? Yes. Uh, I got a lot, I can just do this quickly. Um, I don't know if we're going to have time for too much listener letter stuff. I have three podcast recommendations. Uh, I have a pretty, pretty quick listener letter we could do. Um, oh yeah. So, so can I just do some quick recommendations? Yes. And, and some thank yous. So, um, I, I flew solo last week, uh, and ended up talking about D and D miniatures. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who wrote nice notes about wonderful that. Really, feedback to that. Well, and also people saying Dan feel better. Feel better. Yeah. Don't, don't let Merlin do this forever. <laughs> but, um, but thank the, thank you to everybody who wrote in and also thank you to people who've um, sent links not all of which I was able to get into notes today, but people who sent links about uh, D&D miniature painting stuff. I wanted to highlight one was a listener, David, uh, who has a podcast called Layers about painting miniatures. And I, uh, I've only listened to one episode, but his episode on choosing a paintbrush. This is, a, this is not for everybody. Not everybody needs to know about how to choose a paintbrush for painting miniatures. But uh, I want to thank listener David for that. He's wonderful and he has a beautiful accent. Um, lots of other ones are in there. If you go back to last week, if you're interested in this stuff, there's links for some tutorials on getting started with this. Um, but I want to thank everybody uh, for uh, the feedback on that. Two fast recommendations. Really fast recommendations. Friend of the show, um, Dr. Don. He and his buddy, uh, have you, you've been on Food Safety Talk. Yeah, a couple, right? once or twice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with Dr. Don and Professor Chapman. I, I, I just wanted to say for fun, uh, their latest episode, uh, my, my, my pal Max Temkin is on. And Max is very, very interested in food safety, really to a fault. He really thinks a lot about things like hand washing and, and should you blow out the candles on a cake and stuff like that. And it's a very, very funny Right, because, episode. yeah, I, I wonder about that, too. I'll have to, that's have you episode. That? You ever think about a kid, like maybe, that, maybe the birthday boy's got a little cold? Of course I have. Uh, that's episode 185 of Food Safety Talk. Hot diapers. Yep. Hot diapers. So check that out. It's, and, you know, at Food Safety Talk in general, like you, th- you might say to yourself, like, what would I do? Why would I listen to... Um, a podcast about food safety. Well, why would you do anything? Let's be honest. It's very funny and very informative and wonderfully turns out. Um, there's a lot of really good turns out stuff in there. Like what was Ben talking about in this one? He, he had a great, there's a great example of this. where like, he does this because he's a food scientist. He can do this sort of risk benefit stuff. So your brain and your, all your articles tell you like, Hey, when you go out, make sure to get a salad. And he's like, well, like when he, when his kids were little, he would go and look up the rating the various restaurants got. And like, obviously, if it was terrible, they wouldn't go. But he said, if you're, if you're worried, <laughs> don't take this advice without listening to Professor Chapman. But I think the, the nut of it is, if you're worried about the food safety of what you are about to partake of, don't get the salad. Oh my God, <laughs> don't get the salad. Get something that is deep fried. No, it is not good for your, your, your long-term health and longevity, but it's going to be a butt ton safer than eating whatever the hell is in that salad. Mm. Isn't that an interesting? That's the kind of thing you learn on mm-hmm. uh, Food Safety Talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Don's a good friend of the show. Um, 
Last thing for our recommendations. I just wanted to say, oh, thank you. Uh, so, got so many nice notes from people this week. One came from um, uh, listener Katie, who sent a really nice note. Thank you for your note, Katie. And she recommended an episode of uh, the Long Form Podcast that I was listening to right before we started recording. And this one is, as they say, I think right in our wheelhouse. Uh, it's very uh, double or triple turns out. It's David Kaplan, who's an author, talking about his book, Range. Um, and it's a turns out book. Uh, but basically, his uh, in his description of how he got to write in this particular book as somebody with a sports background was very interesting. And it's his take on uh, collecting and passing along the evidence about uh, the value of being a generalist in life. Now, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. What he's saying here is that there are certain, if you, especially when you look at things like sports, um, he's actually, I think, gotten to be pretty good pals with Malcolm Gladwell. But the 10,000 hours thing, mm, like that might not be quite what it seems. When do you become, are you, so the, the, his original title for the book was uh, Tiger, Tiger versus Roger or mm, something like that. Okay. And something like, are you the kind of Tiger Woods who has a golf club in their hands when they're a few months old and is on TV at two for being really good at golf? Or are you more of a Roger Federer who like for, for his own reasons, couldn't get that interested in any given sport, but he liked playing lots of different sports and became a sports generalist and then sort of only specialized when he was a little bit older. And I mean, I, I'm not here to vouch for the science of this. I'm not here for the vouch for the science of anything, dear Lord. But David Kaplan seems to be implying that there is a benefit to learning about when it is valuable to specialize versus generalize. Let's let's leave it at that. That, that, that you know, you, to become a specialist, very, very early in life could give you a shorter career at the, that thing than you might think. And certainly think about any of those meat bags who are really good at football in high school and how they're doing. But um, uh, did I say that? I didn't say that, did I? No. Anyway, Dave, David Kaplan in his book, Range. Um, last thing I was listening to right before we started recording was this quote that I, I listened to it three times because I think how much I need to get better at this. Let's be honest. Um and he was talking in particular about like, you know, how he and Malcolm Gladwell have kind of like, they were supposed to be like, oh, we're going to go head to head in battle, but how important it is to both of them, in fairness to both of them, to not become too attached to your own ideas. Like you become this idea guy and like that'll actually really, turns out, limit your career because when new information comes along, what do you do? And he had the one, this wonderful quote. He said, I don't want to get too attached to my own ideas because anytime you write about science, something's going to be wrong. The problem is you don't know what is wrong yet, what it is yet. So you better be ready to update your beliefs, end quote. Nice. And that made me think. Mm-hmm podcasts i'm not gonna talk about all the hamilton podcasts but if you follow if you see my bs on twitter i've been doing a deep dive on hamilton nerdery i don't want to bore dan with that but there is a lot going on in hamilton and that's all i'm going to say about that you can look at my internet for that your, um, your twitter you're talking about <clears throat> yeah sure whatever don't follow me um <laughs> Let's see. We, we I think we have one more sponsor. Yeah, we want to say thanks to Squarespace. Turn way ahead of me. Squarespace! Cool idea into a new website to showcase your work. You can blog. You can publish contents. You can sell stuff. You can promote your physical or your online business. You can announce events. Have I listed everything? Anything you can do on the internet. If you want to put it on the internet, you use Squarespace. You're dragging, you're dropping, you're moving around, you're doing the things that are lost and found. Have you solved my riddle? It's it's really really fun, and when I and I'm telling people on these godforsaken podcasts, 
You think you know Squarespace. Well, listen, Buster, have you used Squarespace personally in the last year or two? It's more fun than you realize. Solve my riddle, Squarespace. Thank you. Please continue. I, I, you've said it all. So here, here's the thing you need to do. Make your move. Make your next website, Squarespace. Mm, Squarespace.com slash website. It's your show. It's your show. It's your show. You, you go there, you get a free trial. When you're ready to launch, you use the offer code. It's your show. And you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And you can even register a domain while you're over there too. You don't even have to get the website. You can do both. You can do one, whatever you don't want. Don't need a reason. Don't even need a yeah. reason. Squarespace.com slash it's your show. Thanks very much, Squarespace, for making this show Thanks, possible. Squarespace. Buck, buck. Last thing, listener Terry. Uh, and again, listener Terry, oh my God, thank you for your super nice note. I owe you a longer response, but uh, I was I was making, uh, what was I making? Oh, I was making ZD. So I, I didn't have time to quick to respond, but I wrote a quick quick response to listener Terry. She sounds very cool. And thank you. And I'm sorry for what you've gone through. You sound really cool. Hello, listener Terry. Had a question uh, about using native apps from Apple, and this is not a long one, Dan. This is just a closer outer. All right. Right? Is that okay? Just wanted to yeah, one, leave one to, to grow on. Do it. I don't know. I just thought this was interesting. Um, though I use an iPhone now, I started out years ago on Android and have continued to use Gmail, Google Calendar, and Chrome. Increasingly, these are just infuriating <laughs> on too many levels to mention. Super interesting. Can you say anything more about the choice to use Apple's native apps? If someone wanted to move away from the Google apps, would you recommend they also move on to a non-at-gmail uh, account? Are there third-party apps you might change to instead? I just thought this would be a fun... Thank you, listener Terry. I thought that would be a fun thing to just kind of bounce around real quick because I kind of feel like I've moved in the di opposite direction of what she's doing, but I also think it's a nuanced question to ask. May I say why? Quick, yes, because I please do. Out of time. Please do. Well, it's, just, it's, it's, very, it's very interesting to think about. It's so odd to think about having a Mac um, in the 80s. We're like, yeah, you could get on a network, but like you weren't going to do a lot with it. Everything you did on the Mac was on a floppy, pretty much. Yes. Or if you're rich, a hard drive. Everything you did was on the computer. And then you moved it to another computer. If you wanted to quote unquote bring work home, like you'd put it on your DOS disk and bring it home to your DOS computer. You didn't, there was no networking. There was no stuff. And now today we're in such, 40 years later, we're in such a different place, 35 years later. We're in such a different place in terms of like how much we do that's through through web apps. And so like, for example, like when we talk about what we talk about when we talk about apps, the, the, the great, um, anyway, like your email app, well, what do you mean by email, right? Because there's the email part that's like um, IMAP or whatever you've got. You've got the client for that thing. You've got the device that you're running it on, right? And uh, do you like web Gmail versus using mail.app on um on your on your mac mm -hmm. or mail on there's, there's so many differences to all of those things so like you could for example love the gmail service but hate the gmail website you could improbably i guess to me yeah <laughs> like love the apple what what's something people use like like what's going on with like pages do they even still have their cloud thing I think, isn't the cloud thing all gone in favor of the actual iCloud that sits in your Finder sidebar? Yeah, isn't that the thing I now? I think it is There used now, to be the thing yeah. where you'd have to upload to a website to be able to use it. And that's not going to work across platforms though, right? Is it? Anyway, I just think this was an interesting question. I, I may want to come back to this later, but all, all I can say to listener Terry for myself is that um, all mail apps suck. 
there are no good mail apps. The, the one that is least bad is Gmail on the web for me. Calendar apps can be very exciting. There's lots of different ones. Um, I don't use a ton of the Apple services and consequently I don't use a ton of the Apple native apps. Like I'll use pages for a, like a quick fun project. I use pages at this point, almost like the way I would use PageMaker super light, 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 light. Like I just need to make a sign to put on the door about something or I need to make, you know what I mean? That's exactly what I'm doing it for. Same, same thing. No, I need to basically reprint on um, October 31st. I need to reprint the thing with the pumpkin on it that says, help yourself. Because we're going to go out and do, we're all going to go out and do I right. have annual things I need to print. I need to remind the cat sitter people, please don't lock the cats in, in, don't lock the cat behind any doors. Make sure the cat is out before you leave. Stuff like that. But like, uh, the truth is, um, I really love Google Sheets. Like, I love Google Sheets. And when Google Sheets is not working flawlessly in Safari, it drives me crazy because sometimes it seems a lot slower than Chrome. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't open numbers. Like I don't open, I don't even own a license for Excel, let alone, you know, have it on my computer. Do you have a thought on this? I mean, uh, the reason I ask you here, and we'll let you, let you get away and, and recover more in a minute, but your main likes to run stock. To yeah, as much possible, as possible, right? Still, um, what's your take on anything you want to talk about here, but what's your general take on where Apple's native apps are. That's a great, I love this question. I think I, I like it too. And it's, it may be even more nuanced and interesting than Terry realizes. There's a lot of levels to what she's talking about. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's, I would put Apple's applications into maybe two very broad categories. One is something that you, you just kind of expect to be there. And we almost these days think of it as part of a system. And for me, that would be, interestingly, I would put, um, obviously Safari in that category Safari is very, very good, but I would also put something like messages and mail into that category, even though they don't really fit logically, they fit by feel in that if you gave mm. me a Mac that didn't have those on there, I would think mm-hmm. that was very weird because well, if you didn't have the app called messages, you wouldn't have the service called messages. You wouldn't, would you wouldn't. And that mm-hmm. is, that is I- integrated so much into the Apple ecosystem right now. And in fact, for many people, that's why they use an iPhone is because they like messages better and the only place to get it. And the only way to get it is on your iPhone and your Mac. So, you know, for me, I would, I would put that in that category. And then like you said, you have the other, you know, whether they're productivity or office suite kind of applications, such as pages, Uh, keynote, you know, I don't give a lot of talks anymore. I used to give a lot of talks. And when I did keynote was like my main app and I would spend, you know, it's, and, and still I I have a, a a presentation I'm going to be doing soon. I will spend many weeks in advance of it with keynote running and tweaking it. I think it's a hall of fame app personally. It really is so different. And it's, it's so funny to me that basically it be, because Steve Jobs personally was so effective at his reveals mm-hmm. and at his keynotes yes. that the tool that he had built for himself to make pre- creating those work became what is one of Apple's all-time best applications that just doesn't get enough appreciation. The whole talk to the slides philosophy of, uh, of these horrible mm-hmm. PowerPoint presentations that whole philosophy <laughs> outside of the only the deepest corridors of old school corporate America is completely gone. Everybody wants the one slide with black, with the orange writing, one word that says suck with a capital 
ass and an exclamation point. And like, that's my talk, dude. Like, that's my talk. And so, um, you know, but like, is that like for an entrepreneur, like a, somewhere between a pitch meeting and a Ted talk? Yeah. You just do your suck presentation. You can do the same presentation for both of those things. Actually, these days, how Um, many of you are ready to get rich? (laughs) Shut up. Suck. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank uh, you. So, you know, I, I there will be no questions. I like you. I never, I would use pages if I had to like leave a note on the door when I ran out to lunch. Like that's use what Google pages Docs. is use for. Google Docs for everything. Yeah. It's got to have collaboration right out of the box. And look like, at it like this kids, <laughs> kids in school, both my kids oh my God, uh, yeah. only use the Google applications, but it's great because they can, they can sit down at any random computer in the whole school, start typing and then leave and go home and pull out their iPad and finish what they were working on in their iPad or on dad's computer or whatever. I mean, it's, it's ubiquitous. If I, if I told, if I'd say, okay, so let's say somebody had said to me in, um, even, even let's call it 2004, mm-hmm. this is, I'm kind of going to give this away, but if somebody said to me, Hey, listen, dingling, believe it or not, in a few years, you're going to have a kid. And I'd be like, shut up, get out of here. And they go like, no, seriously, you're going to have a kid. And when your kid's 11, uh, there's going to be one app from Microsoft that that kid uses every day. What is it without, without a beat, I would say word. You know, possibly Excel. Oh, yeah. Like if yeah. it was somebody like who was a nerd, I would say, well, Excel, because Excel is incredibly powerful. Pivot tables will change your game. And they go, no, no, it's a video game called Minecraft. Right. And I go, well, wait a minute. What? <laughs> huh? Microsoft Mine? What? Is that the brother from Sherlock Holmes? And no, no, it's mine. Minecraft, not Minecraft. And uh, and yeah, she's going to be playing that. And uh, and she'll she'll be talking to her friend um, on, on her Apple phone who's also talking on her Apple phone while they collaboratively play this game that Microsoft bought a few years ago. That was a huge phenomenon. I'd be like, well, so how's word doing? They're like, eh, you know, most people (laughs) need it for their attorneys and accountants, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. You need it. You need it for people you don't want to be working with. And that's it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no, no, nothing wrong with those folks. But like my lady is in the middle of a possible transition to a, uh, actually exactly the same laptop I have. They, they, there was through a long series of events, too long to tell. It turned out that there was a, a 2015 MacBook Pro sitting around unused for a couple of years. Mm. She's like, I, I might, you know, get rid of her. She's got one of those, like a, not a ThinkPad, but one of those, one of those laptop PCs that wheezes with the, the fans are wheezing literally all the time. I'm like, is that okay? Do you, I mean, should your computer be, have the fans on even when you haven't used it for five hours? Like <laughs> no. that seems really weird. I'm like, you might, you might've gotten hacked. And, and she's like, and she started playing with the, she's already got her own MacBook Air at home. But she started playing, sorry, MacBook, the, little, mm-hmm. the really little guy. Anyways, um, so she's looking at all of that and like what's involved and like getting all the things she needs for work onto there. And it's a really interesting trip. I mean, because yeah, like, like all of us, there are Microsoft products that she needs. But like it is, it's, you look at something like the, um, the iOS features and services coming, um, the improvements to iCloud right alongside the worst timing ever for Dropbox where Dropbox is getting real. They got real stupid about what they're doing and how they messaged it. They got real stupid real fast, almost exactly pretty much the same week that Apple said, Hey, we're going to make iCloud file storage a little bit better. (laughs) Can you imagine? Honestly, can you imagine worst timing for Dropbox to get stupid? No, it was, it was really, really dumb. And, and again, (laughs) there were so many really funny tweets. One of the people, oh, I wish I could quote it exactly because I was sort of in that very, very feverish, delirious state that influenza causes that I was reading it and I, I lost track of it, but it was, um, 
it, they had said, you know, the, the feet, all I wanted from Dropbox was a more corporate experience and a, you know, built out website. Those are the features I've been waiting for. And finally they're here. And, you know, like these are things that, that are obviously so driven by their shareholders, so driven by the fact that how, they, how it needs to look, it needs everybody. to look and, and mm-hmm. no one wants this. No one cares about it. And honestly, I think when iCloud has some of the features that will make sharing, uh, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit yeah, easier, like better, like multiple levels and right, sharing. Right. Yeah. That's all Dropbox I'm waiting doesn't, for. Drop, my, all my links and embedded photos broke in one day and I'm still mad about mm-hmm. it. I'm still mad about how much stuff I thought Dropbox would let me continue. Remember when you could like host an HTML file and it would just work yeah, and it would be sure. cool and it wasn't weird. And, <laughs> no, I don't want comments on this. I never want comments on anything. I want you to be, listen, it's sort of like uh, Don Draper. That's what the money is for. Right. The money is for you to be a dumb, big hard drive. Like, don't try to be a smart hard drive. Hard drive. Be a be a dumb hard drive, please. That's, <laughs> That's right. really all I need from you. That's but right. like, I don't. I don't need something. Something enterprise. You're going to get more for less than this amount of money. And like, and I just want to test before you finish. I'm going to let you finish. I want to test it. Uh, I don't, I still don't fully understand what, exactly what it is that's going to change. But what I can tell you is their their messaging and their timing was crap on this. Yeah. Because up till now, we thought they had finally nailed the big dumb hard drive market. But big dumb hard drives are not going to see huge. Well, short, and again, I mean, like you. this is the thing that I, I hate to say this, but we get so comfortable with things mm-hmm. being a certain way, especially with tools like Dropbox, where you really do feel. And for so many years, people were, re- including me, were using and recommending Dropbox as like it's perfect. It does everything, and it just works, and it's great. It was it, more to that, Dan. It was a lesson. This is this is companies need to learn from Dropbox, including Apple. Companies need to look. We used to, people like me would say you need to look at what Dropbox is doing. They out Appled Apple with how to make this a folder right. at your Tilda level. Like, right. how, how did they do that and, and do that better? What, you're going to do that versus uploading to an Apple website to share things? No. No. And now, people are stupid. So, you know, uh, and, other, and I, again, oh, I think this, this, mark my words, this is the beginning of the end for Dropbox. I think... Interesting. I think they're... If the improvements that Apple makes to iCloud Drive are, I don't know if we even call it that anymore. I don't know what it's called. But yeah, if, there it is, iCloud Drive. There if, it is. if the improvements that Apple makes are even just a little bit better than what mm-hmm. it is now, not a lot, not reinventing it, just just a couple little features, people will switch en masse to, to using it. And, you mm-hmm. know... I, I, I just, it wasn't very long ago. I started just deleting a ton of the stuff that I had on Dropbox. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying the end is near, but I am saying like, I would just as soon not have like tons and tons of stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, I, I agree with you. And if they're pricing, do we know they're pricing for iCloud drive? Well, probably not. I don't think we know that yet. Like the next, the next generation of the cool, is there going to be any changes? I don't know. Don't, I think we don't know that. I don't know. So um, anyway, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think this is the beginning of the end for them. You know, they want, they want, they have to show growth as a company. They have to show mm-hmm. increased revenue and you know, it just may, maybe this is great. Maybe there's like a lot of corporate employees who are like, yeah, this is the stuff we were waiting for. And maybe because we're insulated from that because we live in like the real world and use our computers like regular people that you know, that, the, and, and I don't, who knows what percentage, what percentage of people are using Dropbox on a Mac versus on a PC or what percentage are using it in the mm-hmm. corporate structure versus at, at home or with their friends. I, I have no idea. Well, the, it's just, I do not know 
anything about anything. But the part, the part, I, I made some jokes there where I made cracks about big dumb hard drive. Um, but to real talk, like what they got right about the part where they needed to be smart was critical, uh, right? So somehow the way they were able to hack, in a way we didn't mind at the time. The way that they were be able to hack stuff so you could, this could be a folder in your home directory and you didn't need to think about it. And whatever secret sauce it took for them to crack that nut of dealing with conflicts. They were, back when I was doing stuff with rsync or with Unison, I think it was Unison was the rsync-like yes. thing I used to use. I was trying to, I've been trying to do this for years. And there was never, there was never an easy way to just not have to think of it and to just feel like this is basically, li- not literally, it is like having a hard drive in the sky. In the sense that I never worry, like, if all I manage is this one cutlery drawer, I don't doubt that my stuff is going to disappear, right? If this is a hard drive on my computer, if this is a folder on my computer, I don't worry about it having problems because I manage that. Unless something goes wrong with the actual, like, sectors on the drive, I should be good. They cracked that nut. And one reason it felt like it was wild that they cracked that nut is it is notoriously not a, not a big money business. Like we have the way that we deal with Libsyn and every, the reason we loved Libsyn or really I would say similar, but really it was only Libsyn for a long time. Mm -hmm. You're like, Libsyn, how did you do this? How did you figure out a way that I can afford to host my podcast files and, and have it not be stupid. And then every time Libsyn would do something to like, quote unquote, improve the site or add another service, you'd be like, no, 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 no. Don't get too smart. No, 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 please stay stupid. That's, we just want a big hard drive reason that nut was hard to crack, that's a commodity business. That is, right? I mean, the, the idea of like, nobody feels like they're going to be paying a premium to just store files somewhere. Right. Um, unless you're an enterprise person who has to think about that in a different way with scale in AWS or with, um, no, what, is that what it's called? S3? Yeah. So that's, but the thing is, the thing that, what, what is my point? The thing that made us love them is that they did a dumb thing that was only smart in the ways that we wanted. Uh, but that's not enough, as you say, for, for shareholder value. Now, the dumb thing, the storage of files, holy crap, they suddenly or not so suddenly actually have kind of a lot of competition, right? Don't you have OneDrive or like you've got, you've got definitely got Box. I bet there's a lot of heat in the enterprise space with Box. Yes. What else do you have? You've got Google Drive. Um, but there, got, there are, I mean, there's that one, I forget the name of it, but that it, like you were saying before, like there are other ones that, that are overlaid onto things like Amazon S3 or other really, really redundant, reliable storage environments. Oh yeah. Like Arc, like for Arc, example, that's Mac, the one. there was a Mac app called Arc. It's ARQ still around. That would let you, yeah. That we, if you were smarter than me and could figure out whether this was worth the money. Yeah. Arc would let you, and you could even, or you could even use something like, uh, like transmit to be able to, to get to those kinds of things. Arc but, is still around. That was the one I was thinking of. Um, and basically it, it is backup software. It backs up all your files. Essentially, you basically put things in it and it, it pushes it up to any changes you make get get pushed up to Amazon S3. And it's like your own personal Dropbox, basically. S3, S3 is costly for downloads. It's not costly for storage. Is that right? <clears throat> That's yes. It's, it's very, very, very cheap to upload, but you're not limited to S3 anymore. You can do it with Backblaze B2, which is amazing. Google Drive, Google Cloud Storage. You can do it with mm-hmm. Dropbox or OneDrive. You can even have it use SFTP to your own server or to your own NAS. Like it, it just wild. handles finding what's changed and pushing it up where it needs to go. And so like there are lots of other solutions out there. No one, no one. And this is the crazy thing. 
Hmm. No one is married to Dropbox. There are tons of other solutions out there if you want to switch. I, 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 you know me, I don't like to, I, I try to not have regret. I try to not focus on the past, but when they made that change, I'm still mad. When they made that change that they were not going to allow all of my, sorry, let me finish a sentence. It used to be that you could upload image files to Dropbox. You didn't really have to upload them. You just put them in this folder mm -hmm. that in, in uh, homage to Zeldman, in my case was called I, L lowercase <laughs> letter I, <laughs> right? Yeah. And in I, I could put anything that I wanted once the little thing had blooped, I could right click and say copy URL for this. So any image that I wanted to, within reason, of course, they've always had limitations. You cannot stream, you're not going to stream a lot of HD videos from your Dropbox account. But for, for like a, a 29K JPEG, you're good. So like all over the place, all of my sites, there's all these things that suddenly turned into blank icons because they stopped supporting that. And that was, that. I don't know, that made me, that was frustrating. Because now, I don't know, now now you're aware of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And like now you have to start thinking about, again, yep, yep. like do, do you want all your stuff in there and what is the benefit of that? What is what is this in service of is the question that I'm asking. Yes, it's in service of their requirement to show uh, year yes. over year growth or something. But Value. It's, it's not for us. Deals. Dan, where would, as much as you're comfortable saying, where would people, uh, well, first of all, on behalf of everyone, welcome back. Thank but you. also, in as much as you can say, where would people find uh, show notes for episode 431 of your Back to Work program? That'll be at 5x5.tv slash B as in back, 2 as in the number, W as in women, slash mm -hmm. 431. 431. That's right. And thank you most of all to you, the customer, as Jay-Z <laughs> would say. That's, that's exactly right. That's right. Well, thanks again for uh, for taking care of the shop while I was out, and uh, thank you, thank you for letting me do it. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad, um, I'm glad it didn't go horribly. I didn't cuss too much. I had some GDs in there. Ah, who cares? I don't. That's care. okay. You'd have heard about it if I had more than GDs. I don't care. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, should we button this up? Yes, sir. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin man.